If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 13. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 14. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. I'm going to read this for you. You haven't heard this read yet, so I'm going to read it for you. It is our passage that we're going to be going through this morning. These are the words of God, verse 11, Romans 13. Besides this, you know the time, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly. As in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling, not in jealousy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord. I think it's fitting as we uh, come out of last Sunday, right, celebrating being debt-free Burning things out there, which was a lot of fun. I love fires and burning things. Uh, We now turn to this new year, right? So I don't know if you knew this or not, but happy new year. Uh, Liturgically speaking, we are um, starting a new year. And so welcome to Advent 1. I don't know if you noticed that this morning, but there is purple. And there is this big wreath right here with a candle lit. So this is... Advent 1. And so what does that mean exactly? What does Advent mean? What are we celebrating essentially? Well, it's really this. We're celebrating the fulfillment of the promises that God has made for us to come near to us and us to him. In other words, it is kind of this month-long party in which we celebrate by looking back at the birth of God's Son, right? Christ. Emmanuel, which means God with us, God with us, becoming incarnate flesh, becoming a human being. And it's a magnificent doctrine that fuels our worship during this season because Jesus didn't just come to become a man because he could or that he just wanted to do it for show, but right, he did it. He became man for us, and what? We say this every week. And for our salvation. Good, right in the creed, right? He became man for us and for our salvation. So the word became flesh to save us from our sin, to free us to marvel at him, enjoy him, and his unique union of divinity and humanity in this one spectacular, glorious person, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Right, but looking back, and right, this is what we're reminded of today in Advent 1, looking back is just part of it, right, because it's also looking forward. It's the two Advents. Advent 1, Jesus came and was born, but Advent 2 is He's coming again. We look forward, and that's what Paul is exhorting the Romans. 
to be reminded of that Jesus will come again and establish his kingdom and return for his bride, the church. And we are preparing people, aren't we? We love to prepare. We are preparedness in essence, right? We do this for Christmas. We prepare for this glorious day. We, we have wreaths and we have lights and we string them on our houses. And some of you have probably already done that, right? And your homes are decorated. Yesterday we went out and got a tree, a real one. Smells great in our house, right? We are preparing for the 25th Advent, first Advent. But we, we also prepare for other things, don't we? November in our family is, is a really special month because two of my children were born a day apart in November. November 15th was when my firstborn, Grace, was born. And then my third daughter, Anna, came along a just a day later, the 16th. And so the 15th and 16th, that week is like one long parade celebration, right? We, and we reminisce. We love to do this, especially with Grace, right? Because Grace was our firstborn. And so there's all, all this trepidation, right, that goes into your firstborn. Like you got to prepare, right? It's your first child. You got to get the home ready. You got to, you know, get a car seat. You got to get a stroller. You got to learn all this new stuff, right, to prepare for this little bundle of joy that you're going to bring home into your house, your dwelling. We do this with weddings, right? We prepare months and months ahead for weddings, funerals, special services, the big game day, right? <laughs> right? Clemson and Carolina, and we're, we're preparing for this day all year long for when they're going to, one's going to lose and one's going to win. And it's vacation, it's leisure time, we're, we're preparing. And here's the point, like preparing for a newborn or like preparing a joy-filled life covenant relationship with this new spouse, like preparing for a week of leisure, God's people ought to be preparing for the day when Christ returns. And you heard it this morning, over and over. At least in Matthew, the, our gospel, and in Romans, you heard it again. But it's also throughout all of the New Testament. Let me read you just a few passages. This morning you heard Matthew 24, 42, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the day of the Lord is coming. Mark 13, 33, be on guard. Keep what? Awake. For you do not know when that time will come. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. So then let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and sober. And then our text this morning, Romans 13, 11. Know the time. The hour has come for you to what? Wake and not sleep. The message this morning is this, brothers and sisters. Get ready, for the day is at hand. The king is coming again. Are we preparing for that day? That's the question. That's what Paul is asking us this morning. Are you awake? 
Are you preparing for that glorious homecoming? Are we watching? Are we waiting for that climactic event when Christ will come again for you and for me? Or are we unprepared? Perhaps we are dull in our spiritual senses. We're sleepy this morning. <laughs> we're, we're full and sleepy, right? We've had too much to eat and we're sleepy. Some of us are here this morning, but you're not here this morning. You know what I'm saying? You, you can be in the pew, but you're really not in the pew. <laughs> I mean, you're somewhere else. You're sleepy. Your spiritual senses are dull. We're unprepared. This world is like an intoxication. And we are full and drunk on it. It could be us this morning. It could be me. So let's look at Romans 13 together this morning. Turn there with me. I want us to see the context uh, very clearly because I think it, it makes our passage crystal clear. So Romans 1 through 11, chapters 1 through 11, Paul has been saying that what the law could not do, God has done. God has done through his one and only son, Jesus Christ, by sending him into the world to take away our sin and our guilt and our condemnation, right? There is, there is no salvation in the law. You are dead in the law, but there is life in Christ, right? For the wages of sin is death, but through Christ there is salvation. And then he comes to chapters 12 and 13. And what he begins to do is he begins to unpack and give a description of what the kind of life these people that believe this live if they truly embrace Christ as Savior, Lord, supreme treasure of their lives. And the main mark of this life, according to Paul, is love. Love. Look at chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. In other words, they persecute you, love them. Love people who persecute you. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Love them. Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. Verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, what? Love him and feed him. And then verse 8 in chapter 13, which is key. I think it's the key verse in chapter 13, period. Owe no one anything. Owe no one anything except what? To love one another. L-O-V-E, love. That's the mark. And so then he comes to verses 11 through 14. 
And what he's going to do is he's going to give you three precepts, three precepts that will help you have this mark of love on your life, which is why he begins verse 11 with two words, besides this. So that besides this is saying, remember everything I just said in the last two chapters, all the verses preceding, because it's going to help you love if you do this, verses 11 through 14. Here's number one. You got to know what time it is. You have to know what time it is. Right? And do this all the more, Paul says, because you know the time in which you live. Verse 11. So knowing the time helps you love people the way that you should. And so, so, what's, so what's the time? <laughs> what's the time, Paul? Well, here's the answer. It's, it's the time between Christ's first coming and his second coming, right? Because we live in overlapping times, <clears throat> right? The age of forgiveness and righteousness and life and peace and purity and health and light and joy has come with the arrival of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, right? That's the season that we're in, Advent. That's what we're celebrating. But, right? But the old age of guilt and sin and death and strife and sickness and darkness and misery still remains, right? It's not hard to figure that out. Just flip on the news tonight. It's all over the news. Right? There's, there's still this, this stuff that remains. We live in the overlap of these two ages. In Christ, we are forgiven, we're accepted, we're empowered for holiness and love. But nothing is perfect yet on earth, is it? We still struggle with sin. We struggle with sickness. I have a sinus infection right now. <laughs> I'm trying to save my voice. For at least one more message. We still die, don't we? But Paul's emphasis in this text is not on the darkness, right? That's the good news this morning in Romans 13. It's not darkness. Because the darkness, that's passing away. But the light that is already dawning is what he's focusing on. The emphasis is 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 that if the dawn of the age has come, has arrived, then the sun of righteousness and joy and perfect peace will surely rise on the horizon in due time. So we have to know the time. Secondly, we need to wake up, right? The hour has come for you to what? Good, there's one with me. Wake up, right? Wake up and not sleep. Essentially, what Paul is saying is quit sleepwalking. Take off your pajamas this morning. Don't wear them to church. Don't wear them to work tomorrow morning. Take off the pajamas. Get rid of the pajamas that you're wearing around. Don't set your mind on the darkness and how long it has lasted. Set your mind on the truth. That the day of Christ's second appearing, this sunrise 
is at hand because the dawn of Christ's first appearing has arrived. The power of darkness is broken. It's only a matter of time that they'll give way entirely to the Son of Righteousness. And he says in verse 11, right there there, towards the end, salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Your freedom from sinning, your perfect health, your perfect ability to enjoy Christ is getting closer each and every day. Every groan in this mortal body brings you closer to glory. Amen? So we have to wake up. Lastly, he says, get dressed. Get dressed. Paul gives us two put-ons, right? So take off the pajamas, and now we got to get dressed. And the question is, what are we getting dressed with, Paul? What is it that I should put on? He gives us two put-ons. Verse 12. Notice it there. So let us cast off the works of darkness and what? You heard, you heard that in the colic this morning. We read it in the colic, right? Put on the armor of light. So the question is, what is the armor of light? And this is where I think 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 help us. Right? So we're just going to compare Scripture with Scripture. Paul speaks of this in 1 Thessalonians. You can see it up there. And you're, you're going to see how similar these two contexts are. And so what we're after, Paul, is what is the armor of light? What do you mean by the armor of light? So Paul helps us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, and 8. Those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we don't do any of those things, right, because we belong to the day, let us be sober. There it is. Wake up. Having put on the what? Did you notice it? There's the put on. So he says put on. Okay, what? The breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, what? The hope of salvation. So... Paul now makes it clear what we're to put on. What is this armor of light? It is faith, hope, and love, right? These three will remain. But what's the greatest? Good. I, was, I, was, I wasn't even in my manuscript. I'm just, I'm just testing you. Good job. So it's a little clear, right? But it's still a little vague. Because I wouldn't just end my message here just saying, all right, so put on faith, hope, and love, right? Just have more faith and have more love and have more hope. Because your question would be, in, in what? Right? In Buddha? Allah? No. So he, so he goes to verse 14, and he gives us the answer of what we're to have faith and hope and love in. Notice verse 14, it says what? But put on, so there's a second put on, the what? Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So, so I think we should say this verse like this. Put on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Putting on Christ each 
and every day doesn't mean wearing him as an imposition, as a nuisance, or a burden. It means wearing him as protection. That is trusting him and wearing him as a supplier of all of your future needs. That is hoping in him. And wearing him as your supreme treasure. That is loving him as your supreme treasure. It means put him on as the high impact, protective, anti-explosive suit. When you disarm the bombs of the devil. It means put him on as the asbestos fireproof suit when you rescue sinners from the flames of hell. It means put him on as a bulletproof vest when you confront the bullets of sin in your life. It means put on the Lord Jesus Christ as a badge that admits you to all the resources of heaven that you need to do his will. It means put on the Lord Jesus Christ by trusting him, hoping in him, and cherishing him above all things in this life. Advent is the season of light because Jesus Christ has come. You, St. Paul's brothers and sisters, are children of light. Therefore, let us know the time, let us wake up, and let us clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.